Hey everyone, this is the Reverend Jack Alvey with my friend and co-host the Reverend Josiah Ringers with This Anglican Life, a moderate voice for contentious times. We're glad you've joined us. Today we're here for episode number four, Why Give? Jack, Josiah, it's great to why, be here. Why give? Why give? This is the favorite topic of all Episcopalians. Why give? It's literally the reason why you and I went to seminary. We were so excited to talk about money and finance. As a matter of fact, though, Jack, didn't you get an undergraduate degree in finance? I do. I hold a bachelor's in investment management from the University of Alabama. So you are literally the best person possible to talk about this subject. As a matter of fact, well, maybe we should have you only. Maybe we should put you on the circuit to drive around Alabama and only talk about giving all the time. Well, I was investment management, so I wasn't a salesperson. So unfortunately, I didn't. <laughs> well, the I joke is. The joke is around clergy is that we hate to talk about giving for several reasons. And I think parishioners hate to talk about giving for several reasons. First of all, I think we dislike to talk about giving because it's embarrassing. Finances are kind of embarrassing, whether we have too much or too little or we're stressed out about our finances. I think that's the universal key is that we're all a little bit stressed out about finance. We look to go to church church to talk about God, to talk about heaven and earth and you know the majesty of God's glory and we go to talk about uh, you know life and the next life and resurrection and hope and joy and conquering fears but to talk about money and to talk about giving kind of takes us back into the world back into the daily grind back into the stress and anxiety that it gives us but Jack you and I are here to solve that problem today you know what Jesus talked about the most in scripture Sex. He talked about sex the most. Is that right? No, not quite. I think that might have been the least amount of time he spent on anything. Dang. What is the most about? What is the most time he spent on anything? He talked Talking about money. About he, money, right? Isn't that amazing? How about? Well, that? we're going to solve this problem, Jack. We're going to solve this today. We're going to talk about it, and we're going to get everyone so excited. This is going to be our most viral. Um, you're going yet. to be you're going to be and, emptying your wallets after this. You're going to just be shaking them out at the foot of your local Episcopal church. At the foot of the cross, and we are going to be <laughs> and we are going to talk about finances every day for the rest of the year. But all joking aside, it really is the beginning of stewardship season. This is the beginning of the time when we begin to talk about finances in the church. But I want to ask you, Jack, just to mm-hmm. begin things, just to begin the conversation. When did you start giving and why? I probably started giving when I was a teenager. I remember vividly uh, when we were going to St. Luke's, they set up our pledge cards, our family pledge cards outside in the sort of the Narthex area, and everyone was told to go find their pledge card. And so my dad would take me and show me the pledge card, and he would he filled it out right in front of me and told me, you know, why we did it. And, uh, he asked me to give as well. And so, you know, I, I don't know where I was working or if I was working, uh, uh, I I probably had some chores around the house. And so I would start putting some of that money in the plate. Uh, I'm not sure I ever actually pledged in high school. The first time I made a pledge was in college when I was attending Canterbury Chapel in Tuscaloosa. Um, but that's sort of my first experience with giving came with my parents and them sort of educating me 
that this is what we do as a part of a church community. We Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that's where most folks begin. I mean, my first experience of tithing was watching my mother drop a check in the, the plate every single Sunday. You know, when I, I after college, I went into the Peace Corps and I made $80 a month, which is pitiful, right? $80 a month. I didn't make a whole lot of money, and I scraped my pennies together and survived. And after the Peace Corps, I got a, a job in a local hospital, and I started making $8 an hour, working 10-hour shifts. So I went from $80 a month to making eight, $80 a day. Well, you also had that money rich. taken away from you by the government, though. Yeah, but I always give off the top. And so $80 <laughs> a day. And, and you know, it was like this most wonderful miracle thing where I could go out and buy meals. I could go out and, like, buy things like clothes. I could go out on the weekends and have fun with my friends. I felt wealthy. Uh, but I started a, a bank account. I started putting my money in the bank account, and it began to grow. And the more I grew the more nervous I became. So I began checking my bank account like once every two weeks because you know, here if identity theft and people stealing your money and I just wanted to make sure that no one had stolen you know, my $200 uh, from that week. And so I began to check every two weeks and then I began to check every week and then every you know, few days and I, it became like an obsession where I was calling the bank to make sure they still had my money just to make sure my bank account was the same level, like every single day, even though I didn't have very much. And I I just remember sitting in church one day, and it just struck me. I felt like God just like poked me in the soul, and it struck me how absurd I was acting and living, that mm-hmm. I wasn't in control of my money, that my money was in control of me. Hmm. Now, yeah. at that day, I just took out whatever I had in my wallet, I dropped it in the plate, and from that moment on, I began giving 10% to the church. Now, I'm not a finance guy like you, and so I've never been good enough to do to do money. If I was better at math, I might not be a priest. But um, <laughs> So I always give off the top. Whatever they say they're going to pay me, you know, at the beginning of the year, that's the amount, right? 10% as a check, you know, right off the top, mm-hmm. that we split that 10% between, you know, the, the churches and ministries that we believe in and support. But we just take 10% off the top. And since that time... I've yeah. never had that same obsession with money. Since that time, I feel like it reoriented my soul to, instead of head towards focused on money, I became empowered to control my money. It's a tool I use, not something that uses me. Did you start tithing before you were a clergy person or when you yeah. became a clergy person? Well, mm-hmm. I started giving then when I had a job. And, um, and we stopped tithing when we went to school because when we went to seminary uh i no longer had income mm-hmm. and so you know there wasn't any income coming in and so i didn't have anything to give out and well, it was more of my time I, w- I will say this i do we went to the same seminary at virginia theological seminary and are there <coughs> other seminaries i didn't realize yeah. there were other ones i think uh oh. at the very least vts must be the very best <laughs> But they, you know, I remember in their financial aid application, which was just a page, you had to sort of list, you know, your expenses and, you know, your various forms of income, whether it be from uh, donations, uh, scholarships, aid, anything like that. But you you were required to contribute $2,000 from some kind of job, mostly on seminary campus. You could be a bartender. I was the manager of the local gym, right, which you know, probably made 25 more cents an hour than everyone else. So I was the rich man on campus. And um, 
But there was a, a place there that included your tithe. Like on your financial port, you had to include a tithe, which for me was $200 a year because I made $2,000 in my own income. But anyway. Jag, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I also worked at the gym and at the library. I worked at the gym mostly because I could play ping pong while working. Um, mm-hmm. And you're right that we were asked to contribute. And before going to seminary, to in the application that I had to give to my bishop, it did require me to say what proportion I was giving of my income to God, to the glory of God, in, in a tithe. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that's important because as a leader of the church, I think it's important for me to be faithful and a, and a healthy steward and to model that in my life. But I believe in a spiritual life to be connected to God, to be pursuing God, that we have to be connected financially, you know, at Mm -hmm. least in my discernment process, we talked about several areas for about a year. We talked about your mental well-being, your emotional well-being, your uh, educational well-being, your physical well-being, and we talked about the financial well-being. And it's this interesting thing that that if your financial well-being is all out of whack and screwed up, then you can't necessarily be in a great spiritual place that you can't be connected to god if you're if you're just so obsessed with earning money keeping money hoarding money or if there's just never enough if you're not in a stable place and um and so both ways can be really hard so part of my discernment was understanding the right relationship with my money and putting that back in balance absolutely jack when you started giving as a family how did you decide how much to give? Like when you got married and you started sure. having kids? Yeah, well, you know, it's a conversation that Jamie and I had together. And, you know, I, I guess our first year of marriage, we're still trying to figure out <clears throat> how much money we're making, uh, how much we need to spend on certain uh, items and that sort of thing. And I, I sort of just said, you know, look, you know, one of the things that we teach in the church is proportional giving. Um, and that doesn't that doesn't, it's not taking off the bottom. It's not taking off what you have left over. It's simply saying we are committing X amount percentage wise to the work of the church, regardless of um, what the other expenses are. And I think we made the decision um, to, to give 5% of our income to the church that year. And we also made a commitment to increase that percentage every year and and one of the things that we learned was that we could increase that percentage every year because we discovered that we didn't that we had enough and and i you know that's funny that's funny that you started at five percent because that's where katie and i started we had Mm -hmm. just gotten hired and um and we were working time and a half so neither of us had a full-time job we both had like a three-quarter time job and and my wife had pretty significant student debt she went to northwestern so we had like millions of dollars of debt my dad went to northwestern hey no kidding and so uh so degree in northwestern um and so we had a lot of debt and so the point of giving isn't to go further in debt we felt like our first responsibility was to retire all those student loans that we could as quickly as possible so we Mm -hmm. paid off our car we paid off her loans and her debt um and we were giving five percent and in the first two years of marriage, we were able to catch up, kind of erase all that. And then we started climbing our way to 10%. Mm-hmm. We got to 10% a few years ago. And honestly, we've never looked back. We've never worried about it. 
and honestly, we don't think about it too much. We just commit every month that we know how much money we make, you know, about how much money we make in the year. We don't get worried about taxes and stuff. And, uh, and we give 10% off the top at the first of the month as we get paid, as it comes in, we give it out. And like I said, we split that between my church and her ministry and her church. And, um, and then there's also lots of incidentals. I mean, 10% is our starting place. You know, yep. we're always adding money, spending money, giving money uh, freely because we think part of our life as Christians is to be a generous giver. You know, you're right that to say that Jesus talks a lot about money. He talks on and on and on about wealth. And I'm going to ask you what you think a few different quotes mean, a few different passages of Scripture. What okay. do you mean when, what do you think Jesus means when he says, where your heart, there your treasure is also? Yeah, uh, you know, I was just going to comment on something along those lines. I think our the way we spend our money uh, communicates what we value. It communicates what we hold dear in this life, in this world. It, it communicates what we put our trust in. And, and you know, one of the things that I like to do is I have mint.com. It's a sort of a online budget thing. And <clears throat> you can see the percentage amount that you're spending on different categories as it relates to your home, as it relates to your uh, groceries, your utilities, uh, and whatnot. And that that's a helpful sort of spiritual diagnostic tool to help me uh, understand, to help us understand where our heart is. Where is our heart? What do we value in this life? And 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 that's a very tangible way that we can we can sort of evaluate where our heart is. And and you know where your heart is, there your treasure uh, is also. And so, what do we love? A, what do we value? I have a buddy who is a finance guy. And he says it the same way. He says, "Look, show me your your checkbook, and I'll show you where your where your priorities are." Right? Yeah. He says, "Look, you have like some five major areas uh, that that you use money for. Like you have obviously your home. Obviously, you have debt retirement for things like car loans. Obviously, you have um, your charitable giving, and you have your taxes, and everything else. Everything that's left over really goes into your quality of life." So, you know, do you bring a sandwich to, to work every day? Do you go out for lunch every day? Do you make coffee and put it into the go cup? Or do you swing by Starbucks? Do you um, have, you know, season tickets, you know, on the 50-yard line? Do you go hunting? Do you have a, you know, what are your vacations like? And all those things are good. Like, the point of working is to have a great quality of life. To work... The whole point of working is so that we can live the lifestyle we choose or we hope for, right? Like, if if hunting or if football is so meaningful to me, then that's amazing. Then I should be able to, to enjoy that. But if I'm giving more to football than I'm giving to God, maybe it's time to reevaluate those priorities, right? If yeah. I'm giving, giving $20,000 a year to my hunting lodge, but I'm only giving $2,000 a year to my church, what does that say about my priorities, what does that yeah. say about my passion, right? What does that say about my connection to God? And so, are you? I mean, the question that that it ultimately asks is like, what are you putting first in your life? What are, are you, you putting, putting first? Are you putting your, um, what you know, sort of these fun things first, or are you putting God first? And I think, you know, not that you shouldn't have fun, not that you shouldn't do these things that give you give you joy and that make you enjoy life. Um, but if those things are out of order 
then your spiritual life is out of order. And when your spiritual life is out of order, um, then that can spell a lot of trouble. Uh, it might not in the near term, but in the long term, it, it will. Uh, and so I like to use the metaphor. I like to use the metaphor that you know you have to budget for your food. So you, so you budget for your groceries. You make your grocery list. You go to the store, and you know the top things are your your proteins. Let's say and your carbohydrates, right? That's what's going to fill you up. So you're you're buying your proteins and your carbohydrates, your meat and potatoes for the family. And then you go down the list, and your vegetables, you go down the list, and you get some of the fun stuff, and then some of the extra stuff, like maybe a pie, a fresh-baked pie that everybody loves as a treat. And then you're walking through the checkout, and you see, like, a candy bar, and you're like, you know what? I'm going to get myself a candy bar. That looks great. It's only 50 cents, so it doesn't affect my budget. Hey, I don't know where you're getting 50-cent candy bars, but that was like when we were kids. Now they're $1.29. Dollar twenty nine, gosh! Down in Selma, Alabama, they're ripping you off, man. No, it's well, everywhere. They're, okay, so I dare you. you to go find a fifty cent Snickers bar. <laughs> okay, well your your dollar twenty nine Snickers bar that um is shockingly expensive, but it still doesn't really affect your budget. And I guess the way we need to talk about finances in the church is we want we want to be the meat and potatoes. I think God needs to be a priority in your life where it affects your budget, where it makes you sit down and think about how you use your money and how mm-hmm. you use it in a relationship with God. That God shouldn't be the Snickers bar at the very end that you can just pick up and throw on at the last minute and it's easy and it doesn't matter and it doesn't affect you. Because that's mm-hmm. saying that you're not fully orienting yourself and your soul towards a relationship with God. You know, we mm-hmm. have this standard that really goes back 4,000 years. I mean, it goes back thousands of years before Jesus himself where we talk about proportional tithing off the top, at really starting at 10%, the 10% standard of the Jewish community. And so is that fair, Jack? Is it fair to say 10% should be our goal? Is that too high? Is that too little? Is that a fair amount when we talk about orienting our finances towards God? You know, I don't. I don't think Jesus ever said this. I, I'm, I'm actually quite sure he never said this. But if I do think he, it, uh, you know, one of the things that Jesus does is he he remembers the law of the Old Testament, and then he takes it another step further. Right? You've heard it been said that if you look at another, or if you know, if you if you lie with another, then you've committed adultery. But I say if you look at another with lust, then you've committed adultery. I think one of the things I hear. You know, Jesus saying is, you've heard it been said that you give 10% to the church, but I say give everything to the mission of the church. So, you know, on one hand, the 10% is a sort of the standard of giving that we have in Scripture. It's our biblical basis for giving, and it should be honored. But on the other hand, um, we're called to give all that we are and all that we have to the work of God's kingdom in our midst. And that's not just giving 10% to the church, but that's giving your, your entire lives. Everything you do, everything you say, everything you give um, should be oriented around how is this living into the kingdom of God. And sure, a part of that means enjoying you know family and friends at a football game or at the hunting club. Um, but you know how is everything that I'm given... Um, being give how is that a gift back to the world how is that a gift back to god rejoicing in everything that god has has given me so we're really um so on on one level i think it's totally fair on another level i think it's a great discount (laughs) well it's a great discount and you know i will say at least from my own life and experience like we're in that 
traumatic time, you and I, of having young children. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so right now we're kind of at our least financially solvent, right? Yeah. We're paying a big mortgage. We have two cars. We have two kids. We're trying to save for college. We're also paying for During preschool college? and day school. We're saving for college, you know. We're oh, yeah. uh, paying for preschool and day school. And, um, and, you know, all the expenses of the world are upon us at this time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, but we still give 10% and we're able to live the quality of life that we want. Yeah. And it, it makes some choices. Now, like, sometimes it has to be a tough choice. Hey, we can't go out to Starbucks every day. Or, hey, like, we just can't eat out lunch every day. Why like, would you go to Starbucks when your wife is the manager at the Abbey? Exactly. Why would anybody go to Starbucks when you could go to the Abbey and have even better coffee? I mean, that's another conversation that you could have is, you know, part of stewardship is spending your money at places that are support. I don't want to get into a list of banning stores or anything like that. But I think, you know, a part of stewardship means what, how can I spend money at certain places that will benefit my community, that will have the biggest impact on my community? And you see some of that coming out, like Tom's shoes, for example. If you buy a pair of shoes, then you're giving a pair of shoes to someone who, who needs them. And so I think that's a part of stewardship. It's not just how much am I going to give to the church, but how do I use my money for the benefit of the kingdom of God in my midst? How am I best going to serve the kingdom of God? And these businesses, I mean, they employ people, and that's a ministry in, in its own right. So how can we give to businesses, to organizations that are, that are supporting people, that are helping them uh, live a uh, full and whole life, you know, economically? Exactly, exactly. And so I, now there's a shift happening in the church these days. There's a shift uh, with less and less, really, less and less um, millennials coming to church, participating in church, uh, active in church. And I think one of the questions that young folks who are now coming to church might be asking would be, well, why should I give? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, this is a big institution. The church seems like something that should be wealthy and large. And, you know, why should somebody young and starting a family and maybe not you know, participating in the church for a long time, why should they come and invest and be part of it? Mm-hmm. Are you asking me that question? Yeah. Yeah, I'm asking you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we've, we've covered a lot of that. I mean, you know, for their own spiritual well, well, uh, well-being in life. And I also think, um, you know, I, when you give, when you, when you write a check, when you text a donation or whatever you do these days, you yourself are investing in something. When you are invested in something, you're going to be more active. You're going to take more ownership. And so if you really want to be a part of the church, if you really want to take an active role in what God is doing in the church today, then, you know, give money because that will, in a way, make you more active. If your money is in the pot, then you're more interested in the success of whatever you're, you're investing in. And I think that's another way to think about uh, stewardship, uh, giving, is we're investing our lives into into the church we're investing ourselves into the church when we give so i think that's another sort of way to think about it another sort of practical way is you know one of the things that we're noticing in the church and the abbey is sort of a, a reflection of this is the way that we gave 20 years ago is not going to be the way we give today and 20 years from now and so where's our source of income obviously it's it's from donations from from people who 
or tithing and giving and that that sort of thing. But there are other ways um, that the church is having to investigate how, how can we sustain our mission and ministry, which costs money, right? It, it simply costs money. And um, so I think you have to ask some of those questions. The Abbey is partly solving that. Well, we're going to have a business associated with it, and that'll give some profits. I don't know if they're making profit to fund the ministry itself yet. I know they're on that trajectory. Uh, they're getting closer, from what I understand. But we have to be we have to experiment. We have to be uh, more open to how we give, uh, to how people give. And so that takes a discernment on behalf of the church. And another thing to think about is our generation of people are not going to make as much money as our parents' generation. It's, it's, it's documented. I don't have the statistics here. And so um, we're gonna, in, a, in a way that the church needs to be more intentional about how do we communicate the importance of giving to young people across the board um, as, as sacrificial giving, not picking up the candy bar um, when you go to the checkout line, but how is, how is my giving sacrificial and how is that not only beneficial for the church and the mission of the church, what God is doing in the church, but how is that beneficial for me in my own spiritual life? So we're well, obviously, we're, obviously, Jack. Um, all these things are great, right? And let's say people are coming to church and they're giving and they've been giving for a while. But what if uh, you start to preach like a series of really boring sermons? Is it okay mm-hmm. then for the person to not give to the church because you know they they don't like your sermons? Like, let's just face it. Like sometimes you get to a dry spell and your sermons are terrible. Um, or, or let's say you, you know, maybe said something that was kind of offensive. Um, mm-hmm. Should then we, you know, stop giving to the church? No, you know, I think that's a that's a hard question to answer. I think you know sometimes um, we no, we can that's use... an easy answer to question. <laughs> that's an easy question to answer. It might be easier easy. for you. I mean, because you say co- we don't give to... to church because of our a personality. We don't give. Because we like Jack's sermons, we don't give to the glory of God. Because you know Jack shakes my hand and looks at me deep in the eye. We give because God rocks our soul. Because Jesus mm-hmm. Christ died for our salvation. Because we long for God and we long to be in a relationship with God. That like God doesn't um, want our money. God wants our soul. Yeah, God wants not, everything. You know, I think a lot of you know when we choose to give to certain organizations, we're always sort of questioning the credibility of that organization. Are they are they using their money like they should? Are they you know uh, are they paying their staff too much? I mean, you, you sort of ask all these questions. But when it comes to giving to the church, and this was a question I sort of have in my mind all the time: is what's the difference between giving to the church and giving to sort of another nonprofit service organization? And I think we're starting to highlight that answer right here: is that you're not uh, when you give to the church, you're not just funding a mission that you approve, right? Um, it's a vital act of our faithfulness. It's a response to the goodness of God working in us. It, 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 it helps us give our lives to God and trusting God, especially in those times where the preacher is giving a terrible sermon, especially during those times where you're not happy with the direction of the church. It, it keeps you centered on God, putting God first. It's entrusting uh, that God is going to work out this mess. God is going to work it out. Um, and as a way to keep you in there, keep you in the game, keep you invested, you continue to give. Um, so giving is more than just approving the mission of the church. Giving is is trusting that God is good, that trusting in that story of death and resurrection. Even though we're in this valley of the shadow of death, 
God is faithful. God will pull us out. And so, Jack, you might be, hey, listen, back it up, buddy. You might be in the valley of the shadow of death, but I lay beside green pastures all day long, so I don't know what you're talking about. You lay beside what? I'm laying beside green pastures. That's great. Uh, I know I know what you're talking about and I agree fully. And um but listen, this is a great conversation and this is a conversation that's important to have now and it's an important conversation to continue to have um on and on and on with our parishioners and with our friends and we need to be able to talk freely about finance because it's not a question of money, it's a question of God. And so I hope, you know, this was a great conversation this morning, uh, I, but I hope it's the beginning of conversations. Yeah, and I, I, I want to just sort of add another uh, addendum here. What we're talking about is a culture. We're talking about, we're not talking about, you know, we talk about programs and systems and ideas, but they're not, in, in and of themselves, they're no good unless it starts to influence culture, unless it starts to influence sort of our daily habits. And so, again, this is the beginning of that conversation uh, the stewardship theme here at St. Paul's is called Journey to Generosity, recognizing that this is a lifelong journey, that this, this, this act of giving, this act of raising our percentage is a reflection that we are journeying to generosity, that we grow in generosity. It's not something that magically happens. It, it happens um, when we're willing to sort of take that risk of faith, when we're willing to say, okay, we're going to give 1% more uh, this year. So it's a culture change, and that's a hard culture change because we live in a system. We live in a, in a culture where, that tells us that we need to, to save our money. We need to invest our money. We need to make as much money as we can. And so we need to hoard our money, is what yeah, the culture is saying. You know, we, the, this is nothing new, of course. I mean, the Israelites, when God gave them manna in the wilderness, um, he said, I'm going to give you your daily bread. I'm going to give you your daily bread. Trust that I'm going to give you your daily bread. And that's the same prayer we say, give us our daily bread with the Lord's But he says, if you hold it, if you if you try to take too much, if you hold it to the next day or take more than you need, then it becomes putrid. It's and it's going, it'll exactly. spoil. It'll be ruined. Exactly. So even though we promise that we, we are given enough, we still have this sort of human desire to hoard, to keep. I mean, of course, there's that great parable of, of, of the guy who has so many crops that he tries to build more barns, right? And, you know, uh, he, he thinks the goal in life is to eat, drink, and be merry. Um, but, you know, what we learn in that parable, I'm trying to recall it, so if you can, if you can jump in, that would be great at any time. Um, but basically what we, what we learn in, in that parable is you can't take your toys to heaven, right? Yeah. Uh, you, you can't take your toys to heaven. You can't take your wealth to heaven. So how can we pay it forward, basically? That's another conversation that we, we haven't had is, how, you know, what do we do with all this money when we die? Where does it go? Um, how can, even in our death, how can we continue to be faithful to the mission of the church? And, you know, we're blessed at St. Paul's to have people leave 10% of their estate to, to the mission of the church. And um, that's another conversation that the church needs to be having, uh, especially, you know, when the amount of income that our generation is making, how can the older generation who might have been blessed with more income continue that legacy for the future of the church? How can And then how can we be faithful stewards of what they've left behind for the building of God's kingdom? Uh, in well, our that's home? exactly right. That's exactly right, Jack. And, you know, I'd just like to end this conversation by telling folks that we are available. If somebody comes in, you know, what would be so wonderful? Someone coming into our office and saying, hey, listen, uh, I'm not... I want to give, 
I'm not sure how to start. I'm not sure where to start. Like, that's a conversation we want to have. Or somebody says, hey, listen, I give. Uh, maybe I, I drop, you know, 10 bucks in the plate every Sunday out of guilt. But I'd like to move towards towards what you're talking about as, as giving out of my first fruits. Or I'd love to mm-hmm. give more intentionally. Listen, we are available. We're excited to have that conversation. We want to have that conversation. And um, and if you still can't get it, you can always just leave your checkbook in. Just drop it in the plate in the plates blank, as they come by, and check. we'll take care of it. A blank, blank check, check, and we'll you take can care write of your it. Signature for you. right there, and you know you won't have to worry about it. Exactly, exactly. But um, Jack, I think I think this is a good beginning of the conversation. Mm-hmm. We want to continue to talk, continue to pray, and think about it. And we want to thank everyone for tuning in today. This conversation, an important conversation about being radical in our generosity. And as always, this podcast is sponsored by and brought to you by The Abbey. It's our Episcopal Diocesan coffee shop. It's a great place to get a hot cup of coffee and a cold dousing of the Holy Spirit. We encourage everybody passing through Avondale, passing through Birmingham to come by and enjoy a a hot cup of coffee at The Abbey. Hey, what is, what is a cold dousing of the Holy Spirit? Well, you know, the Holy Spirit hits you like a cold bucket of water, right? It wake you up in the morning. I thought it was more like flames of fire or a dog. Yeah, it's a complicated metaphor. Okay. Okay. Well, go to the Abbey. You'll find holy grounds. You will find holy grounds. Thanks, everybody. All right. God bless. Thank you, Josiah. Go in peace, Jack. The love and serve the Lord. Thanks,